Um, all right, we good? Oh, Levine, are we live? Are we live yeah, right now? No, we're not yet. Savage, turn yourself down a touch. Sorry, you're peeking. You're hitting it a little too okay. hard now. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go live. Ready? Yep. Cool. Savage, all right. are you ready? Yep. We're going to go live in three, two, one. Here we go. Well, hello, world. How are you? Um, <laughs> You're here with us today for a very special episode of Talking Too Loud. Um, we have Dave Gerhart with us, and we are doing uh, something different. So which different. Is very, very different. <laughs> Instead of just kind of like going live, we are bringing you in live into our recording process. So um, what that means when you record a podcast, sometimes you screw it up, you say <laughs> something again for the edit, um, or you say something you, you shouldn't have said and you, you cut it out. So if that happens today, I'm sorry that there's a, there's more folks listening. Um, <laughs> you're getting the, the unfiltered version of the interview, but you ready to go, Sylvie? Wait, let me just, my little, little can't go. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage, and I'm joined as always by the podcast producer extraordinaire, Sylvie <laughs> LeBeau, Sylvie LeBeau, Sylvie Lubau. So you we, had to. I'm All back. Three. I'm back with that. You're you know back. We're live. Yeah, yeah. You're back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's up? We have a uh, we have a great guest coming on today. We do. Dave Gerhardt is here. Very excited to have him on the show. Um, he's going to be talking about his book, Founder Brand, and the community he's built, DGMG. Um, he was early at Drift, a bunch of other places. But first, what's what's got you talking <laughs> too loud, Sylvie? Well. I kind of wanted to ask what's got you talking too loud only because I had a sneak preview to a very <laughs> funny story that's still playing out. That's still oh, playing okay. out. So yes. what's got you talking too loud, Savage? You know, what has me talking too loud is um, today is is uh, my wife's birthday and happy birthday, Zan. Happy, happy birthday, Zan. And I want to get her a cake. And um, she doesn't eat dairy and neither do I for reasons that we should not describe on a podcast. <laughs> um, or live. Um, but anyway, I was like looking around and I've got to find a really good cake. And, um, you know, I have my favorites, Plant City, a few other ones around here. But I found this place called Miss Vegan. And uh, they do vegan cakes. If you look it up, I think it's MissVegan.co is a website. These cakes look gorgeous. They look amazing. And there's like, what, what's the. Look What's the vibe like? The vibe is a lot of flowers, like, a lot of like flowers, and there's just there's like probably like fifty flavors. Okay, uh, okay, Ms. Vegan. Yeah, and so and I'd heard though that there was like there's going to be a storefront coming, and then I can't figure out if there's a storefront. There's no real phone number, and so <laughs> I'm like, I need to I need to try to get these cakes, but the only way I can figure out how to do it is to just fill out a con contact form. So I fill out a contact form. This is on Friday. Like I'm looking for a cake. Um, and you know, can you have it to me by Tuesday? Um, you know, I pick one of the flavors, but I honestly, almost anyone would be good. They all look good. She apparently does like wedding cakes and stuff. So I assume that they're good cakes. And I basically get a response pretty quickly. It's like, if you can meet me at 5 30 PM on Monday, <laughs> then yes, I can get you a cake. I'm like, this is cryptic. Um, but okay. Um, and so I reply, yes, I can do that. Thank you. No response. And then I wait a day and I'm like, hey, um, so the flavor I wanted was this, like just confirming, like, can I get the cake or not? And then nothing. And then I'm like, just, it's okay if I can't get the cake. Like, please so like just tell the me. CIA ops of, of yes, cake. I'm getting. just like, it's fine. I'll just go get something else, please. But the last thing I need to do is not <laughs> have a cake, right? I have to have a cake. You can't not have a cake. Yeah, gotta have a cake. Um, and so, <laughs> and so then eventually I get a response. I was like, the flavor you want, I can't do but I can do this other flavor. I'm like, great. 
And then I get this email with an invoice and, and it's all these instructions. And it was like, please show up at the mall uh, in the Wendy's <laughs> parking lot at 5.30 p.m. promptly. I'll be driving a black GTI. Uh, I'm and, dead. Like, you know, basically, I can't wait around. And I'm like, what is this? And so yesterday, I had to go pick up this cake. And I kept telling everyone I was going to go do it. And everyone was like, record it. <laughs> be careful. Record it. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm afraid of getting a cake, but I was. Um, <laughs> but I got the cake. And turns out Miss Vegan, very lovely person. Cake looks fantastic. Um, I got to take it out of the fridge so that it takes a chill off uh, and is ready yep. to go. But yes, I will be eating this vegan cake today. And I think I will be fine. I think you're, you're going to be better than fine. I think Miss Vegan has a real brand. She's, she's telling her story in a unique way. And uh, mm -hmm. our guests know something about that, too. Yeah, our guest Dave. Um, if he were to talk to her, he would, I think, help her bring her founder brand out and differentiate yeah. her story of why yeah. she is in the cake business. Yep. But I think for those who are listening, you want to know how, you want to know why. So let's jump right into that interview. Dave, oh, yeah. you ready? Yeah. Do I look good? You look, you look good. good yeah, love the background. <laughs> well, look, Dave, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, and you and I have known each other for a while, but we've never really spent that much time um, hanging out and chatting. So I'm excited that you're here it's on true. the podcast today. Um, and as you know, this is called Talking Too Loud, because when I get excited, I cannot control the volume of my voice. Um, <laughs> I'm a famously loud talker. But what we love to start the show with is hearing what has our guests talking too loud. So what, what's got you talking too loud these days? Well, it, I was wondering why there was so much back and forth about your levels before we went live on this <laughs> podcast. So now that I know that you are a loud talker, I didn't actually know. I didn't know that about you. I could be a quiet, reserved um, talker for, for all I know. Um, <laughs> talking too loud uh, right now is I just put out a book called Founder Brand, um, which is about helping startup founders grow their companies by selfishly building your own personal brand. And that's kind of been like a topic that people have always kind of had felt a certain way about, but um, I got to see this kind of firsthand and I've just, you know, the, the people that I follow brands that I follow online today, it all seems to be because of an individual, or if it's not because of an individual, you can use an individual to build more trust and credibility. And it's just, I think it's a strategy that is often overlooked by a lot of startups where we just like to kind of go and just focus on marketing the product. And I'm not saying you can't have, I'm not saying don't have a good product, do all smoke and mirrors and have fire festival founder, you know, be, be, be your, be your front person. Um, but I think the way that people want to buy and interact with people online today is they, they want to work with people. And like, I think at least the startup founders I know, it's not like most of them didn't just like roll out of bed and say, I'm going to start a company because I just want to get filthy rich. It's like, it's very freaking hard. It's very freaking stressful. There's usually some catalyst, like there's some, you know, deep reason why they started that company. And so um, I just, I like the idea of like letting that stuff shine in your brand and in your marketing and turning it into advantage. And so I wrote a book about it. Other than that, I recently um, left my job as a marketing exec and now I'm, I'm a, uh, DGMG LLC, you know, solo company. And so I'm a, I'm a solopreneur now. Uh, and those are the two big things that have kind of taken my, my time over the last couple of months. Well, that's awesome. And I, and I want to dig into both of those, but I, I want to start with like, how did you get into this? Did you expect to be a marketer? 
Is no. this what you always dreamed of doing? Like, how, how did that happen? You didn't miss a beat. No, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> no, and I and I I love sharing this story because I think it's like it's easy to caught up. It's easy to get caught up in someone's like you know tweets and LinkedIn posts and being like all this bald headed guy does is talk about marketing. Blah blah blah. We don't need more of them. But like I, I didn't set out to do. I didn't set out to do this in, intentionally. I kind of fell. I I got into marketing kind of a little bit unintentionally. So. I, I went to college. I played baseball in college. I was terrible at baseball. And it got to the end of my junior and senior year where I was like, well, what are you going to do? Well, the only thing that I was really good at was, was writing. And so I knew about sports. I knew about writing. I was going to try to be a journalist. It turns out being a sports journalist is not the finest way to pay yourself out of college debt and hopefully <laughs> find some place to live. And so... Um, I ended up, and, and also I couldn't, uh, luckily the school that I was at, I couldn't major in that. And so like it was, it actually helped me because I, I had to pick marketing. I picked marketing as a major kind of just by coincidence. I, I don't think I learned anything in, in formal school that has helped me. I've learned by, kind of just basically on the job. Um, and I got, I, I got a degree in marketing, but I graduated in, in uh, 2009 and it was a terrible t- t- uh, time to find a job if you're an entry-level marketer. And uh, I needed to find someone that could pay me some type of money. I couldn't do an unpaid internship because I had to pay off all my college loans and find a place to live and do all that nonsense. And so I found, I got this one, um, after about six months of looking, I got this one job opportunity at this um, PR agency. It's called Lois Paul and Partners. And they were in Woburn, Mass. And uh, they paid me 10 bucks an hour. And I was like, awesome. Somebody that that is a legitimate company wants to yeah, pay, they want me, to pay to me to do them. something. This is cool. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I got I got into the company and I I started to see for the first time like oh interesting like this thing that I kind of used to like downplay or not not think was important like writing and communication and creativity I'm like I have no interest in like cybersecurity or you know the, some of the SaaS clients that we had at the time but like I was I, I like the idea of like here's a problem here's a solution how are we going to use words creative you know, marketing, create, coming up with creative marketing ideas, hooks, copy to, to figure it out. And, and I, I turned out to be decent at that. And so I got to feel like for the first time, like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm actually kind of good at this. And when you're kind of good at this, you know, you get love from people inside of the company and, you're, and your career grows and you start to feel some of that. And so that was when I was like, oh, interesting. I can maybe channel this into something they call marketing. And I turned a PR role into a product marketing role at uh, Constant Contact. And then I, I eventually went to this company called Privy and then on to HubSpot and then on to Drift where it was at those companies that I was like, I'm now marketing is the thing that I'm interested in. And I also saw at the same time online that like people, other marketing people, I always wanted to have like my own marketing blog. I followed like, you know, some early like Wistia stuff, for example. And I was like, man, I, I live this marketing stuff all day. I, I want to like talk about it too. And I started just talking about it on social media. Uh, I started a podcast and that was when I started to like, I guess, attract the power of social media sometimes for better or worse can be attract like-minded people. And so I started to like build a mini following of other marketing people like me. And I, I love sharing that stuff. And that's kind of been the one common thread. Um, I've done it. I've happened to do it as a career through like B2B SaaS companies, but on the side, I've just, you know, I found that like the thing that I enjoy and the thing that I'm good at is, is marketing and specifically like creating something. I, I'm not good at the later stage stuff. I love the like Oh, you, me, and Sylvia are just jamming on an idea, and we got this yeah, idea. You like to make okay. there's there's constantly. I feel like when I've just following you and knowing you, there's been a lot of new, different stuff that you come out with all the time. Yeah, and most often, of it's terrible. It's a gift yeah, and a curse. It's a gift <laughs> and a curse. But if you don't, if you're not trying, it's a you know if you're not taking the shots on a goal, you're not going to score. 
Um, but it's also interesting because I think like one of the things you've done that's been really cool to watch is like even as, as some of these companies have gotten bigger, you've been able to still do that. And that's often when everyone gets risk averse, right? Like when the company <coughs> gets bigger and it's like, oh, let's just scale the thing we're doing. And it's scary to take those risks. That's, I think, like actually often yeah. when it's even more important to do it, right? And like you've been able to do that, which has been yeah, awesome. And, I mean, it, and, and it's not like it's not like I've been in, 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 who you work with and who you work for and the companies you go to is like the number one choice that you make because it's not like I have some secret for like getting these ideas passed at the at the at the CEO level. Like early, like when I was at Drift, it was like David and I amazing clicked on marketing and like. I had I had ideas, but he was feeding me ideas, and he's like, "What if we do this?" And so, when it's the CEO at that level, like giving you the freedom to go do those things, like that makes it really easy. Same thing at at Privy, like Ben, the CEO, he hired me because he wanted to do some of those things, and so there was never like I wasn't spending like half of the time on the job like justifying why we're doing these things. They're like, "Give me more." Yeah, we we were very connected on like story and strategy, and so that's really fun. And but like I know that a lot of marketers out there don't have that opportunity. And so like, you got to spend the time, like, you know, trying to pitch, how are we going to do this to the exec team? And you don't ever get to do anything fun or creative. Can you talk about like, you, you mentioned also in there, this idea of like getting praise internally and people seeing that as like an initial, like, oh, whoa, this is awesome. And almost getting permission to do that stuff externally. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's especially, you know, I think this is true when companies are small and it happens naturally. And I think as you have more infrastructure, it becomes more important. But can you just talk about that dynamic a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard. It's going to be really hard to get people outside of the company excited about what you're doing if you can't get people on the inside excited about it. Because these are people who they might not be like buying Wistia, for example, but like they're working on the product, they're working on the company. Even if you're from engineer to design, like you have, this is your job. You you go here. You spend X hours a week, and you you know you 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 build things and create things here. Um, you're going to have some level of like caring about what the company does and how they attract customers. And what what I saw was like even in roles where like people be like, no, engineers aren't interested in marketing. Well, I've seen that. I've seen I've seen both sides of that. I've seen that. Yes, that is true. But I've also seen where. Marketing can be a force to help grow the company brand, the employment brand, and wow, marketing helped do something. And now that 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 engineer is like, she's going to share that with her her family because like, hey, look at how legit my company is. You know, we we did this thing, and so there's some very like kind of personal element to that. And so I think internal marketing is very is very important, like to get to get everybody not just bought in, but like actually excited. The more I would get more nervous speaking inside of a company meeting at Drift. To to a hundred people than I have of a stage of like a hundred people that are complete strangers because I know everybody's kind of hanging on to every word and they're going to judge, you know, whatever I mess up and they're either going to believe it or not. And so, um, anytime that I've gotten up and been able to like share a new idea and I, you can just feel the energy in the room, you're like, oh, this is awesome! Like, I bet this is going to work. And and usually that 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 instinct that gut instinct is right. And so I just think like that's your number one odd. Like yes customers, of course, is your number one audience. But to get an idea, like to have momentum with an idea inside of a company just makes everything easier versus having to fight it the whole way. And like, I remember in the early days of Drift, we we did this event called Hypergrowth and we wanted to get a thousand people there in the first year. And it seemed like a crazy goal, but there was also something that I couldn't, you can't really articulate, which is like, whenever we talked about the event inside of the company, whenever we gave a weekly update, like 
people around the company were like lighting up about it because we had never done an event before. And it was like, you were public with that goal too, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. We shared the goal publicly because, um, we, you know, we were marketing to marketers and so it just like, it kind of worked as a strategy, but like the way that sharing regular updates about that, as we were doing it, I could, I could, I felt like maybe we might fail with the event, but like people, everyone would have looked at each other and been like, you know, we, we were excited about this. It just can be such a good proxy for, for how people are going to react on the outside. Yeah, I think that's so so true. And it's also like um, that stress you describe is real, right? Because you care about the people you're working with and you care about the work. And also the elation, I think, that comes with like the the successful stuff and everyone being on board and everyone getting excited. It does actually make it easier ultimately. Um, but it's easy to miss that sometimes because like I, it's, I feel like I, you know, I've seen, we've all seen lots of companies that just jump to that phase. And the team isn't actually on board and doesn't actually understand what the stuff is, or maybe even disagrees with it. And you can never deliver great stuff when that's happening. Um, yeah. So there's so many questions. I, I want to go deeper on this, but also let's let's go towards the book. So talk okay. to me about um, Founder Brand. And um, I know it's, it's going to get pretty meta in this episode, I think, um, <laughs> because <laughs> you have a Founder Brand now, and you've helped build Founder Brands, and you wrote a book about Founder Brands. Um, I'm sorry. Am I like, on the right? Am I on the right podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I guess this podcast is also helping with that, isn't it? Obviously. But so, for those who don't know, like, why? Or just tell us why? Why is the founder story so crucial? And um, what does it look like when it's when it's used well? I think the the founder story is so crucial because I think, especially in especially in B two B, but but you can apply this to any company. Um, it just builds a level of credibility and trust that is normally very hard to achieve through like outbound or cold marketing. When you just lead with the product, it's much different than like leading with the person who helped create this. Um, and I also think that it also provides, it's like literally the best marketing content you could create in the early days of a company. Not for every company, but let's say like you are, you know, you are Chris and you started this company because you had some big epiphany or something crazy happened in your life. Or you had like in the case of Drift, the story that we that we used to our advantage was, hey, here's these two founders who have spent the last decade building companies in this space. They're taking their learnings to to help like re reshape the space now. Like you can use all that stuff to your advantage. And so it's it's more about like most founders have some have some interesting nugget or have some real deep reason or connections or industry expertise that can just be gold from a marketing standpoint um i also think that there's just so much noise and there's so much competition in any market today that one of the best ways to win is through um expertise and education whether you're solving a finance problem or a sleep problem and you sell cbd gummies or whatever we as people want to buy from people who feel like they they're an expert you know and like it, not not like hey this is my you know this is some random person who's selling this you know sleep remedy no this is this is woman who's had 20 years of experience and she had this moment in her career and then she found you know she met this doctor and this doctor gave her this recipe but there, nobody could get the ingredients and so now she started this company i'm ready to buy these gummies yeah just saying yeah. she'll be texting me like Actually, i'm no, like where, where can i get them uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I use an example of my book. Um, there's a there's an actual example of this. The company's called House of Wise, and uh, their founder Amanda. She share, she's just like good at, good at Twitter and and good at sharing the company story and connecting her story to the to the company. Um, but like even in the case of 
of, of drift, like with David Cancel, we leaned into the fact like, hey, this, this guy has built um, four or five startups before this. We're working on this new company, but using the context of those other things. And so we started this podcast called Seeking Wisdom, where he was sharing a lot of those things. We weren't like pitching anybody conversational marketing on that podcast, but it was it was a tremendous asset for us building trust and credibility so, with that audience so we can then down the road maybe sell them that like i also just think it's not even it's not always just about the founder brand i initially wanted to write a book that was about like the power of building an audience because i think that having an audience is the biggest i guess the, the closest thing to like a cheat code that you can have in marketing like i i i'm really into golf and one day i want to retire from B2B marketing and use my marketing chops to try to like build something in the golf and fitness space, for example. If I want to do that in two years and sell a physical product in two years, I think that the best thing that I could do now would be to start a media company around that niche. Even if I don't sell a thing, but like I start, you know, me and Chris, we host this golf and fitness podcast called Blah. And that's what I focus on for a year or two. And you grow that audience. And then when you have something to sell them, you've already built up that credibility. B2B SaaS companies can do the same thing. And that was kind of the learning that like, I was like, wow, that's kind of what we did. And it's, it's revisionist history. Like I'm not that good at marketing. I'm not that smart. It's just like, I've, I saw two things play out at Drift and Privy and kind of in my own personal, with my own personal stuff. I'm like, huh, there's something interesting here. I want to package this up. I think it'd also be a fun challenge for me as a um, content creator, as a marketing person to try to do a book. And so that I've kind of put all those things together and, and it became founder brand just because I, I couldn't focus the the story enough on like building an audience. I wanted to focus it more to like be a little bit more useful to people. And so it's kind of focus on B2B SaaS and startup type companies. There's obvious upsides, right? Like, and I agree with you on all everything you've said in terms of like building credibility, um, getting the expertise out there, also building the audience first. Like that's yep. fantastic advice. Like if you're trying to build a company and you can actually create the audience first, like right. it makes your life much, much easier. Um, because day zero, when you put the product out, you know, people actually give you feedback <laughs> and like, they're not just your friends and family. Like they're actual people who care and want the, want the thing. So the feedback is real and all of that. Um, but what do you think are the downsides? Are there downsides that you see? Oh, there's definitely downsides. <laughs> I mean, there are very few strategies that, that don't have any. Yep. And so, yeah, the, the downsides are like, you could put all your eggs in, one basket of this founder and this founder says something absurd or does something terrible. You know, like there's lots of personal, like if every, everything is tied to this one person. Um, but what I mean when I talk about founder brand is I don't mean like be the like reality TV star that happens to sell a SaaS product. I mean more of like, how can you use the things that you inherently have as a founder? You're in meetings with employees, investors, advisors. You're thinking about the roadmap. You got to have a perspective on how the industry is changing because like, what, what product are you going to ship over the next 6 to 12 months? I'm more like advocating for bringing that into the mix as opposed to like becoming this reality TV star <laughs> CEO founder. Um, but that said, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely risks. The risks are personal or the risks are like, you want to go do this, but the founder doesn't have time or you might do it for a little bit. But I've found that like, it's less about coming up with like original new stuff and more like, okay, you got to have some opinion on like on, on this, on video as the founder and, and CEO of Wistia. <laughs> like if you don't, everybody's kind of screwed. And so 
how can we like channel that into like what we're telling? Well, we got to start thinking about what we're going to launch at our event in three months. Okay. So you're probably going to be riffing on new ideas. And so like, it's more about turning your brain on to like, well, what of those things can we then use to be, this is information that would be interesting to our customers and our potential customers. So how can we become our own publishing company and not have to go and spend 15 grand a month on, on a PR company that's not going to really get you any results versus like focus on building your own media properties. And that, that stuff is not new, but I just see it now as the like, you can be your own publishing company and the founder is one of the people at the front of that. But ultimately, it's not just about the founder, it's about the company. And so I think you can kind of like de-risk yourself a little bit by it's more about the organization shifting to think like that. Then just like we're gonna only post stuff from 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 the founder's page, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting, and it's funny when you're talking about that. It made me think about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook now Meta. In that, like he, you know, I feel like we came from an era of folks like him at these giant B two C companies, where like I don't know that Mark, maybe he did, I have no idea, was like I'm gonna build the Mark Zuckerberg brand. And that that's going to like be key to the company. But it, that happened, right? Like yeah. that obviously happened. Um, and now they're going through a lot of challenging times and they're pivoting to, you know, from Facebook to Meta and they're going super, um, super hard on like the virtual reality stuff and the the quest and all this. And I, it's interesting to look at that because I'm like, is that good for him? Like, it seems like it's definitely good internally that he's still there and can help transition the company through this change. But like, is it, is it good or bad? I can't I can't tell as much anymore. Because like just when you think about companies like Google, which has its own, you know, Facebook has all the data, so does Google. Google knows where you are, it knows your location, it knows <laughs> it, it knows kids read your email. But like we're not upset about like the leadership at Google. So it's interesting to think about those like I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Oh, about interesting. Like people, people like both you're saying like basically like both Facebook and Google have things that would warrant being concerned about. Or, yes. or like having moral issues with, but because there's this Facebook equals Mark Zuckerberg, Google yes. equals there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, for sure. It's just, it's just interesting to think about. And I think also, I think a lot about the fact that like, as companies get bigger, everyone's trying to guess what leadership wants. And so there's like more mimicking that happens of like, oh, you spend a little time with somebody and they make a joke about something. And then um, you just assume that that's like the thing that they're like into, even though, you know, because it's your one interaction with them. It makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. But hey, Chris, what... you still riding that bike? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I can think of an example where someone, there was a band that like came on at some event we had. And I was like, oh man, I love these guys. And it had been, I had not heard them in like 15 years. And then uh, like six months later, someone sent me a message and they're like, hey, you want to go see this this band in concert? And I was like, Oh, I mean, not, you know, I like them, but like, it was just this funny moment of this recognition of like, oh, wow, people don't really know who I am anymore. And scaling is part of that. And so it's like, you know, even when you think about like Apple with Steve Jobs versus Tim Cook, I personally find myself thinking, well, like, would, would Tim Cook do this? You know, like when I, we're trying to guess at like what the company will do. And I think there's actually truth in that when the company's big enough, right? Like, but it's just interesting because like, historically... I think a lot of startups never had the chance to ever build a founder brand. It was just like yeah. completely not on the table. And now it is. Well, yeah, I think like, but also I think um, this is not good strat. Not, maybe it's not not good, but I definitely didn't write the, I, I don't have this in my head for like very large companies like that. And the, you know, Silicon Valley type <laughs> founder, you know, as the, as the character, you know, as the, as the lead character. I more think of it as like the, the angle that I 
think about it is it's an advantage for gaining traction. And even in its simplest form, and, and like for me, my experience has been in B2B SaaS. So I wanted to apply it to B2B SaaS companies, but it's yeah. the same as like, if you run Chris's bike shop, the best thing, and you're just a local business, right? The best, the best marketing you could do to attract new customers to Chris's bike shop would be to tell your story if you have one. You weren't just like, yeah, I woke up one day and didn't know what business to start, so I started a bike shop. No, you're like, <laughs> you're like, no, I, I've been in a bike my whole life. Like, honestly, look at all these yeah. pictures since I was five yeah. years old. I've always been yeah. fixing bikes. In college, I did, yeah. I did, I did, I did. Like, that's the best content to, to I think at least to, to build, to use to build a business. Writing Founder Brand was like, huh, maybe there's ways for us to apply this to our business because our founder did have that story or didn't, or, or didn't have, you know, there, there, there's lots of like ways to mess around with that. I, 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 I came at it from that perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just also, it's funny because even as you were saying that, I was like, well, that makes perfect sense to the bike example I think you gave earlier of like, all right, you need to establish your expertise. How are you going to differentiate yourself as like the bike store? Yeah. And it's like, all right, Chris's bikes. I've been in bikes forever. BMX, blah, blah, I got all these injuries. I got really good at <laughs> fixing bikes and like, you know, it's, it's like ripping through the mud and like doing all this stuff. And it's like, see, I know, I know what tires you need. I know what gears like this thing. I'm just spouting bike words. What helmets you want? <laughs> um, but it's funny because I almost take it for granted at this point, which I probably shouldn't, that like B2B SaaS, the most historically quote, like boring area is also the most obvious or like the biggest, you're going to get the biggest bang for the buck because most people don't do it. Well, not only do most people don't do it, but like you're going to get the biggest bang from the buck because I think it matters a lot more than we talk about. I mean, yeah. you all have talked about this. Like, why did you talk, start talking about like brand affinity and all that stuff, right? Like yeah. in B2B, whatever the, the Gartner you know, stuff says, like there's 15 to 20 people involved in the buying process. You know, you're, you're not spending $20 on a phone case from Instagram. You're making a complex decision. And so my thought was more like, well, why? It's the same, same reason for like, why? Why, here's why brand is the most important in B2B is because you're yeah. often not competing on price and you're not just trying to sell it cheaper, faster, better. You have some other bigger thing. And by the way, the person who you're selling it to has to get it approved by four different people. It's got to go through pr procurement. It's got to go through security. Um, and by the way, they got to go sign this $100,000 contract to buy HubSpot for the year. And like, oh my gosh, we've never used anything like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet my career on it. Well, actually... Um, HubSpot's been talking to me about inbound marketing and they've been making me smarter and, and teaching me how to do marketing. So like, um, th there's just, it, I think it's the perfect recipe for, for B2B because you, you need to build authority. You need to build trust. You need to build credibility. It's not just like download this white paper and we're going to call you and that's why you're going to buy from us today. And it's complicated, as you said. It's very complicated. Shockingly, it's shockingly complicated and everyone wants the information before they talk to you. Well, and if it's going to be complicated, you know, like friction I, I, like the 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 more uh, i'm trying to think about like how to phrase this but like if i actually want to do something i'm willing to put up with more friction and so like i'm trying to order this takeout yes. this like amazing chinese food takeout online and they got it's not they're not using toast or whatever they're using some like insane like 30 field thing and yeah i'm going to fill that out anyway cuz yeah it sucks but i'm going to fill that out because i want that damn chinese food tonight right but <laughs> And, and so I think like, I think the, the, the silly way of bringing this back to the brand, the, the brand piece is like, if you can build a relationship with people, then I want to have that person being like, damn it. No, I want to buy this because I really like this company and I believe in their methodology. I believe in their point of view um, to play into like the people buy with emotion and then justify with logic thing. Like 
you can't just be spitting out features and benefits, features and benefits, features and benefits, and expect that humans, me, me, I'm the, I'm the CMO trying to buy this software. I got six different options. All these contracts, you know, I want to go with, I'm going to go, I text my CMO friend, Tom Wentworth. Hey, what do you think about Wistia? Oh, love it. Awesome. Buy it. Done. Right. Or went to your event or listened to your stuff. I think you need to give yourself as many of those opportunities as you can. And we often just only talk about like the hardcore, like direct response marketing tactics or, you know, the traditional B2B marketing stuff. Like what, what event did you get a trade show booth at? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's, it is, it's funny because it's, it may sound simple what we're talking about, but like it also it, and it, to some degree it is, but it also is like figuring out like, Hey, why did I actually do this? What are my values? Like, what, what do I care about? And figuring out how to package it out, package it up, and get out into the world in yeah. like different formats that people can actually discover it. Well, like it, se- uh, it seems simple, but like so many people that I've heard from are like, "Oh yeah, this is this totally would work with my founder. We got to push her to do this." Like, it's like maybe it's obvious, but I don't I don't think like a lot of people have been like, "Oh yeah, how do we how do we bring this out?" Or, or I'm seeing more companies not because of the book, but I think because of how marketing continues to evolve in 2022 and how we buy and like which brands we choose to trust and stuff. I, I do see more people trying to like turn up the volume on that story if they can. Yeah. And it's, it's just funny when you even talk about like the, you know, we don't talk about RFPs that much anymore, but the list of requests of features, I can think of early customers that we had where they came in with a list of like 20 features and we're like, we can do seven of them. And I just assumed that meant that they were not going to sign up. And they're like, well, like, you know, eight and nine and 10, like, do you think we could use like some other product? I'm like, oh, totally. And like, we'll happy to help and blah, blah. So you're like, literally half the stuff's on the list. They're like, we'll buy. And I'm like, huh? But I thought you had 20 <laughs> things you needed. And it was this like funny moment of realizing, and I don't think, I'm, as I say that, I'm not saying that because like the founder brand was like so even strong at that moment. It was just that understanding of like, oh, they needed to have a relationship with a company w- that was built on trust and support and service. Yeah. And like that, if you had that, that actually overcame all the, they even changed what the, what the requests were in the first place. Um, and I think we just forget that like, it's, we're not all just walking around rational actors, like making decisions every day because we're yeah. too busy and there's too much going on. It's like, it's how do you make the choice easier? Well, and, and, but it's not, it's not about like, just to be clear for people, like, it's not about like, well, I bought from Chris because Wistia, you know, because Chris has yeah. 17,000 Twitter followers. It's because I saw your point of view on something that was related to like my job, my life. I started reading your stuff. I believe in your way of doing things. This is interesting. I'm going to take this back to my company, my team. We had a win because I took something you said. It's like it's about the the education and the expertise that that can be, I guess, conveyed through the founder brand. It's not about like amassing followers and being this like celebrity founder. It's the it's the expertise piece. That's what it that's what it is. All right. Well, speaking of expertise, let's go to to DGMG. What is it? What are you doing? Um, what are what are people being educated on? What's what is this? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's okay. So it's it's um DGMG. It's is All right. We'll stop. Nothing. It, we'll stop. Please stop this. Um. Okay. So DGMG is uh. So I I, I want to actually tell you the full story. So when I left. Drift. I wanted to. I was going to Privy, which is kind of a, a, a still a B two B SaaS company, but in a different space, e commerce. And I kind of only talked about B two B marketing at Drift stuff, and started to like that was my niche. That's the stuff I want to talk about. Whatever. I was like, 
well, I don't have like the drift megaphone to like share this B2B marketing stuff anymore. Like, is anybody going to care about it? And I was like, well, no, it's, it's still kind of my thing. It's still the thing that I like to talk about. Privy's focusing on small business e-commerce. I'm not going to be talking about all the... It, didn't, it wasn't as easy of a fit as like drift sells to B2B marketers. I can talk about B2B marketing, good fit. It was a little bit different in the Privy world. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to start my own thing when I leave drift. I'm going to start a blog or a podcast or something. And... um my wife had been like subscribing. She'd been following this comedian on this platform called Patreon. And she paid like seven bucks a month to get her kind of like private podcast stuff, which is she had a public podcast. It was very popular, but she did like these 30 to 45 minute episodes of just stuff that she didn't talk about on the podcast. And, and my wife was like, this is amazing. Like it's not highly produced. It's just raw. And I was like, I'm, maybe I want to try that. I'm just going to try to like charge for content and see what happens. And so I launched a Patreon and I said, I'm going to share all the marketing lessons. I'm going to share like deeper than I share on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm going to do a private podcast because Patreon had this kind of like private audio feature. And so I launched that and I got a couple hundred members. And like, I was seriously, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, wait a second. These people like were just follow, like they're just getting free content on social media. And now they're, they're paying for it. This is a monthly subscription. I was like, there's something so much bigger here. I honestly thought, no lie. I was like, I'm going to launch this and maybe I'll get 50 paying members and that'll be like a little community and I'll have this little... Really? That's you what know, you thought? You thought swear, it was going to be like... Swear. Okay, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, was my, that was not my long... My long-term... My longer-term game was like, I think that I'll be able to get... I think that I can work for myself one day and I'll be able to have like three or four companies that will pay me for consulting and that will be plenty to, to, to like take care of my life. Like we don't have like a big lavish life or whatever. Um, I drive a Toyota Sienna. Um, and, and so, and so like, I was like, oh, and this is nice. Five, like nice 500 bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month. Like it helps pay the rent, whatever. But, um, it got to like 300 members and 400 members and 500 members. And I was like, holy cow, this is starting to get crazy. But then somebody in the group was like, can you start a community? Because we love hearing from you, dude. <laughs> However, we would also like to talk to each other because we're, we are also, we have smart ideas and we're here for beat for marketing stuff. And so I added a Facebook uh, group like five, six months after launching. And that was when everything kind of like just changed because it wasn't, I had to put something out in order for like a discussion to happen. People were being like, Hey, what's the difference between HubSpot and Marketo? Or like, are you using Wistia for this? Or anybody have an agency for this? Or, Hey, my boss is, you know, on, on me about doing this thing. And that's when like the, I started to see like, there's something much bigger here. And so I wanted to tell you that backstory because now I'm actually trying to do the opposite, which is I'm trying to take myself out of it, which is not not fully out of it. But what I've learned is people are here because nobody went to school for B2B marketing. And so they're just like, this is this one place online where people can talk about it. I also think that because it's a paid thing, the quality is really high. It kind of, I've talked to somebody, he was like, I was like, I'm thinking about making, you know, changing some stuff. He's like, no, don't change the payment on the community because, like, he's like, I run a Facebook group that has 20,000 members, and you think that must be amazing. 20,000 members, it's a nightmare. And so I think that there's some level of like having to to pay to be a part of the the community and get the content, and that 80% of the people are kind of in this B2B marketing niche. The last couple of months, I've been like, whoa, the opportunity is not DGMG. The opportunity is this is the this is one of the best places to learn about B2B marketing outside of your job. A lot of companies are now giving people a couple hundred bucks a year, a couple hundred bucks a month or whatever to basically do online self-learning and development. We have that for B2B marketing. Now I'm just working on like, how do I make this not so much about me ranting about B2B marketing and more like I'm 
creating this, I'm curating this, I'm bringing in interesting people in curating interesting topics. And so I'm actually working on a rebrand and I'm going to change the name and I'm going to change the brand and I'm going to relaunch it as this new thing because I think it'll, it'll help. And then I can be Dave and do books and client, you know, consulting and whatever random things. But then I have this, this business, which is focused on um, B2B marketing education. So it's really, you're pushing it totally to be its own community with its own brand and its own thing. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and what's it been like going out on your own? Um, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. it. Full stop. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, your story is cool. And I, I remember when you first, I think you did the same thing where you posted the numbers. Is that right? Like when you started getting people signing up, you were like, oh, the community has like 200 people in it now. Yeah. I used to like, I used to, yeah, I'd be like once a week I would tweet out the numbers and they're growing up, but now I've had some churn and they're not always going up. And so I don't share the numbers anymore because I built a public. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, I, I kind of just gave you like the good answer, but, um, I struggle with giving the real answer because I just, I feel like I'm just super fortunate because like I created this paid community thing like happened and it grew over the course of a couple of years. And so like, it wasn't like I made this, like I didn't have this like big risky like leap where like, I'm going to go work for myself and I don't know how this is going to work. Like there's before working on this full time, there's 4,000 members in the in the community and that like pay for membership and access and stuff and so i was more like it was not it was gnawing at me like when like you have more it makes more than enough cash like the it's not a it's not a salary thing like why don't you just make the jump and work on this full time and like actually see what you can do with it and so it's kind of like it's been building 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 and and for the last like year and a half two years it's kind of been at the it's been at that point and now I was finally able to like actually just make the jump and and do it full time. But I've it's been it's been in my head for been in my head for a while. I I um I read a couple of books like four or five years ago, and and I've started to think like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I really like marketing. How can I use this beyond a company to kind of just build a build a one person build a one person company or you know a couple person company and um just do things a little bit a, a little bit differently, not have to not have to travel so much, not have to be in so many meetings. And uh, um, I'm able to do that. And so the, the most fun thing is that I can like, I don't have to wake up at five in the morning to work out anymore. <laughs> or, and I don't have to sacrifice, you know, like I, I, my kids come home every day at four o'clock and I'm there. And uh, that's, that's been the best part. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's the dream of entrepreneurship, right? It's supposed to be about freedom. Um, yeah. And it's, it's awesome that you found your way to it. And I think it's also, there's a lot of lessons in that in terms of like you built your brand before, you know, as a part of being a part of Drift and being a part of Privy and like that brand, your brand carried on beyond those companies. Um, and I think also on the community side, it's just very, I mean, community is I feel like in vogue again. Um, and everyone's <laughs> like, oh, how do I build a community? What do I do? And I, it would be kind of silly for me not to ask you this question, I think. And we are almost out of time, but for somebody who is just getting started, um, or maybe they, they're working at a B2B company now, or um, they want to repeat this, your experience. Like, What, what advice do you have for them um, if they have an idea, but they maybe don't have the, aud- the audience yeah. yet? Um, I mean, I would say like, I, didn't, I wouldn't go try to take my advice and go do this because I didn't like 
have this vision that was going to happen this way. Like I was able to ride my experience and expertise and knowledge of something and create a mini like media company about that knowledge, which is B2B marketing. And so I say broadly, more broadly, I think one of the coolest things about the internet today and 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 even in the shift what's happening like with web web three stuff is like the the future power is in the hands of like expertise. And so whether you whether your thing is B2B marketing or sales or you're a chiropractor or a physical therapist or a carpenter or you make CBD, whatever, you can you have the tools to like build your own media company today for that niche and build a business off of that without having to work for somebody else to do it. Now, I would say that this would not have been possible if I didn't spend four and a half, five years like really really grinding. And then look, people grind for much longer than that. But for me, like I wasn't thinking about where this was going to go. I think I, I did I did the work for four to five solid years where like all I did was pour my soul into drift stuff, basically. Like there was no side project. There was like weekends I was working on drift nights, I was working on drift stuffs. And that was because I believed in the vision and I obviously I had upside in the company. And so there's lots of selfish reasons to do it. But it wasn't, you know, this was this was kind of like a secondary effect of that. And so I, I would say expertise is the most important part. But if you don't have that yet, like the best thing you can be doing now is building your resume building your portfolio. Maybe you don't love your job, but like if you are a video producer at a SaaS company and you don't love working at a SaaS company, but you're getting to work on a ton of projects and you're getting exposure to a ton of stuff, how can you just switch your story to give your why to be like, I'm just soaking in all this that I can learn because we know what one day I'm going to go build my own business and I'm going to be my own, I'm going to go build my own video company. And so um I was obviously like all in on the on on drift and like drinking the drift Kool-Aid, but I also kind of felt like, you know, regardless of what happens, if there's not some big outcome with the company, I'm getting this like insane level masterclass in marketing. You know, like I'm a 28-year-old marketing manager, Dave, all of a sudden going to, a couple years later doing like meetings with Sequoia and meeting the top CMOs in B2B SaaS. And I'm in my hoodie and my, you know, sneakers, like this is this is crazy. And so um I think it's about like how can you understand like your your why beyond beyond like I'm working for this company right now, but how can I like what skills am I acquiring? And then I love content and I love marketing and I love like social media. I think you can use those tools to create your own media arm for that passion, whether that's B2B marketing or or biking. And that's the stuff that I'm like I get I get excited about. So I would say focus on building up you got to build up your resume though, because if you if you have no I do see a lot of there's a lot of the fake version of it online, which is like you actually haven't gone and done that yet and i'm sure as a as a real founder chris you probably see that stuff all the time and you're like this is (laughs) hello we've built an actual real business over here um (laughs) but i think you have to focus on building up you know actually getting the receipts and getting the wins um and then you can make that step love that pick where you want to learn um dave thank you so much for being with us today where where can people connect with you where can they learn more um, Dave Gerhardt is my website and I'm on Twitter and all those other places with um, Dave Gerhardt. But I've been a big fan of um, your content and just the way that you all have approached things for a while. And so it's cool to be like a meta, the meta, meta, meta part of this is to, is to be that. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate you all thinking of me and having me on. Thank you. Well, th- thanks for being here. And uh, you know, we love the meta. We love meta, meta, meta. So. <laughs> all right. Um, well, Dave, I will reach out with a, an email and just 
detail some next steps, but this was awesome. Thank you so much. Listeners, you can stick around because we're going to record our outro. Oh, good luck. Yeah. Bye, listeners. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Well, the, okay. the, the live recording continues. You the ready live. Yeah. Now we'll outro. The outro. God, okay. we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it all. Doing it live. Okay. Doing it live. Doing it live. <laughs> for those of you still listening, this is what you tuned in for. This is it. This is what you signed up for. <laughs> this is what you're seeing. Okay, ready? Here we go. Well, you know, Dave was, um, he was pretty chill. It was more chill than I was expecting. He was. He had a very like soothing voice. Um, yeah, I don't know why I also expected like a a more bombastic energy. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the photo that that I was looking at. But uh, no, he was super chill. He's living in in Vermont, so that's that's probably chill why he's so chill. Yeah. Um, what'd you think? What'd you think about a uh, founder brand? And I well, I have thoughts. But what did yeah. you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's funny. And I said this in the interview, but I almost like don't, I I don't think I appreciate anymore. I'm so used to this idea that like B2B companies need brands and like brand is so important and actually can differentiate you. And I mean, he broke down this reason why of like, there's the 20 people that all are going to need to play some role in like the buying decision. And you can't just get to one of them. And it's actually hard to go and just like do the outbound thing by itself. Like you need to, you need to have a connection. You need to have people understand your brand. You need to make it easier for people to buy. Um, and that point around like that, like that founder brand and really the expertise is what he kept anchoring on is like that expertise is what helps people feel confident buying. Um, and that's often in the founding story. If that is, you know, you're the founder and that you started the business, there's a reason why you're in the space you're in. So I thought that was very cool. And I thought it was cool how he broke that down. I think he almost like underplayed the community a little bit there. I mean, obviously he did because he's like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I think it is It is like, it's hard to build a community. Like you have to be authentic um, and you have to put yourself out there and you have to- You have to be consistent, right? Like it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And it's hard to get to the place that he's talking about, which is like, actually, he can pull himself out of the mix a little bit. And you basically have these like-minded people who are together and have this like, um, this space that they can communicate and share and learn. And I think that like in a world too, where, you know, social media is more and more feels like it's like broadcasting of like, oh, I better broadcast my stuff so that people Mm -hmm. are paying attention to it. Well, where are you learning? It's like in the, it's, uh, we call it dark social often, but it's like, it's a social you can't track. It's like the, it's in the text threads, it's in Slack, it's in the communities. And I, it's obvious that he has that. Um, and I think that's, it's a, it's a good thing that people can learn from because like, I think that, you know, if you can find your niche, niche, um, to go after, you can, niche, you can, niche. I, you know niche. what? We had this debate internally for so Is it a niche? Is it a niche? Um, I don't know anymore. Yeah. I'm going to go niche. If you say a word enough, it doesn't mean anything. What, doesn't. Did, what did you think? Um, it's funny because it was like founder, like founder story is seemingly so simple, but every time he was like, you're Chris, you're, you've owned a bike shop for, you know, 20 years. And then you went on this whole thread about like BMX and helmets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was funny, but it was also super compelling. And it did make me realize 
how important it is to feel like you know the people that you're buying from. Like people buy from other people. Yeah. Which again, it sounds simple, but I was like, anytime he started spinning a yard about a founder, I was like, I'm in. I'll buy those gummies. So you're definitely buying the gummies. We all know that. That's obvious. I mean, I do have insomnia. You lit up when he started talking about CBD gummies. You're like, (laughs) no, it's because my insomnia has been bad. It's been bad. Okay, sure, uh, yeah. (laughs) But um, THC gummies for you. Um, Okay, well, (laughs) we've gone far left, far left. Let's bring it on back. This is where we wrap it up. So, um, if you're still with us, thanks for joining today live. We really appreciate it. Let us know what you think. Um, if you're if you're listening um, and you're, you're still listening, maybe you like <laughs> us. Um, please please like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, give us a review. We love a review. Give us feedback. Um, you can always email us at ttlpod at wistia.com. We have a lot, other, a lot of other great content coming out of Wistia Studios. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and thanks thanks for hanging with us. Sir. Thanks for hanging. Okay. See ya. See you soon. See you soon. And hopefully (laughs) I'll be fine after I eat this cake. All right. Bye, everyone. See ya. Bye. You think we're still live? Is that it? Yeah. I mean, we're still live. You guys want to give a little message to the crew here, to the live streamers? Uh, Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this. (laughs) No, to the live streamers, this was a, this was our second foray into doing a live show. We recorded once over Clubhouse where I had a complete tech meltdown. Uh, And so, yeah, we're, we're on LinkedIn. We hope you were able to enjoy the interview, enjoy seeing Wistia behind the scenes. We're live on Twitter. Um, I'm I'm just super curious how it plays for a live audience. So please do send feedback to TTL. What is it again? TTL pod at wistia.com. Yeah, or you can just tweet at us or DM us or whatever. But yeah, yes, we do, do want the feedback. Do you want to watch more stuff like this? Um, was this boring? Was this horrible? Was this amazing? <laughs> Let us know. Um, so thank you. Now we're really done. Yeah, we're done. What do you think? Do you need to do another take? Too chaotic? I think I, you know, I love the chaos. I know you do love the chaos. I think we got it. Yeah. I think we got it. Great. Okay. Okay. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey... Rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.